Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. God bless you for being here. And the, um, I'm going to speak on the Word of God, which I was able to title the Redeemed and Sustained by the Savior. Jesus Christ, our Savior, has redeemed us, and he is going to sustain us. And his redemption work started even before we knew what righteousness was. You might be, you might have grown up in a Christian home, or maybe not in a Christian home. But even in a Christian home, we could see that there were things in our lives which the Bible spoke about and spoke against that we were struggling with. But God, at a point in time, convicted us and we came to follow him. And if we did not grow up in a Christian home, whatever life you were in, God still convicted you and brought you to his presence. May you please open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 23. We're going through the verses 26 to 34. And we're going to do uh, go through 26 to 31 first. And that will be talking about the Savior's warning to sinners. Jesus Christ joined his ministry on earth after he was here, walked amongst us men, and at a point in time, and as it was God's will, he had to go to the cross. And going to the cross was to die to redeem mankind. The Bible says that uh, without blood, there's no redemption, meaning if there's no sacrifice, we cannot be saved. And God has purposed that the wages of sin is death. That is God's mind. And that is what it, if we sin, if a person doesn't follow after the words of God, if a person goes off what God created us to be as human beings, he said that man shouldn't exist, die. And not just die by not being alive, but die by having no relationship with him. After death, there's no relationship with God. But God, desiring that that shouldn't be the fate of man, sent Jesus Christ that through his death, we will be redeemed. And Jesus, having ministered and was time for him to die, even though he was taken before the court of the Jews, they kind of, he was examined, he wasn't, there was no fault find, found in him, but it was still decided that he was going to die anyway. So it, he was going to die a death which was not justified. He didn't steal the, uh, he didn't steal the cat from your home or your dog, not your car. He didn't take your money, and they tried to pin everything on him, but nothing stuck. But it was determined that whatever, you're going to die. And this is Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 23, verse 26, on his way to the cross. And we can, we're going to look at how the people were reacting about him and some of the words he said to them when he was going to the cross. And going through verse 26 down, it says, Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women 
who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turned to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will, they, what will be done in the dry? Jesus was going to the cross and people were, out of a, for a good reason, shedding tears for him and crying. And the women were lamenting. And you would think that he would also take it in and say that, yeah, thank you for feeling sorry for me. But he turns around and says these words to them, which if you don't look into it, you might think he was salty because they were going to um, crucify him. But this is not a word of being salty, but he's prophesying, telling the people of Jerusalem that after his death, years to come, what the judgment of God was going to be on the city of Jerusalem trying to warn the very sinners who were going to kill him. The Lord, though he doesn't like sin and he hates it, he knows that we humans are precious to him. And in every way, he's warning us to turn away to come after him. So Jesus looked at these ladies and people shedding tears and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. For he is telling them what is about to happen to Jerusalem. And he says, for indeed the days are coming that the blessed, they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts which never nursed. The Bible makes us understand where God says that the, the children, when you look at Psalm, well, Psalm 127 verse 3, it talks about children are the heritage of God. So it is a blessing to have children pray the word of God. But he turns around and tells these people that, you are going to say in those days, when the judgment comes and Jerusalem is besieged on all sides, that the mothers are going to look at those who haven't yet given birth and say, oh, you are so lucky you don't have to worry about your children going to die. You are so lucky because you can run away without having to take your one, two, three, maybe ten children with you. So Jesus is telling them of the, how big the trouble was going to be in Jerusalem. So there was going to be so much that even that which was to be blessed to have children was going to be assumed to be a curse. And the people ran away hoping that the mountains will fall and cover them. I don't know if I want somebody to hide. I'll, I'll say to the mountain, follow me and cover me. That is like calling for death. Yeah. So with, with the mount or with the, the strange, with the seed that was going to come on Jerusalem, it was going to be so terrible that people will wish they were dead. And Jesus is warning them that don't cry for me, don't weep for me. This is what is about to come because of the sins that is going on in this city of Jerusalem. And would you cry for yourself? Would you look for redemption? The Savior, even on his way to the cross, was warning the city of what to come. I would have been very salty if I found out that, man, I didn't commit that crime and I had to go to prison, let alone to die. <laughs> I'm not going to warn you of anything coming to you. But he says, please, 
Don't weep for me. Weep for yourself. For if, 31, verse 31, for if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? For if people go to the forest in the middle of spring, or maybe just when spring is over to summer, and the, the trees and all the flowers are up and the trees are good, you don't go chopping that wood down for your house. You go to the old wood, which is, which is strong, and then you, that's what you cut, you cut down for firewood, the one which is almost dead. So if you are cutting down the fresh tree for firewood, what do you think will happen to the dry tree? If they are cutting down the city of Jerusalem, which is the city of God, where Jesus came, where the temple, where the presence of God lives among his people, the city of Zion, if this is the siege going to come upon them, for them to cry, what will happen when the judgment of God comes to the whole world? So he is saying, Jerusalem, be prepared. And everybody, look at what is happening to Jerusalem. If this siege is going to happen to Jerusalem, then what would happen when the end of days comes? When the judgment of God comes to all nations, to the Gentiles and everybody, the Savior is warning sinners to repent. Even to the cross, he's saying, please turn to God and be, be redeemed or be spared this trouble come to you. This is the Savior's heart, and this is what he has done for us in his presence. And this is what he's ready to do for all who call on his name. He's saying, be ready and please turn away from your sins that redemption will come to you. Now let's see what he keeps on saying to other people as he's being killed on the cross. Verse 32 to 34. So on the cross, there were also two two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garment and cast lots. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. If I've made it all the way to the cross and I know I'm done, I'm not going to ask for any forgiveness for anybody. Whatever is coming to you is coming to you, people. (laughs) You laid your bed, and you're going to lie in it. But he says, Father, forgive them. This is the heart of our Savior. And he said this, and Virgil has been going through the book of Acts. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In the city of Jerusalem, in that same city that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, in that same city that Peter, as uh, we read from Acts chapter 2, preached, and there were about 3,000 people turned to the gospel. These people, Jesus knew that they would need forgiveness if they were going to be able to have the Holy Spirit in their city, if they were, able, they were going to be redeemed. He could see forth and he desired that people would be saved to the extent that even before his death, he was asking for forgiveness for these people in Jerusalem, so that when the Holy Ghost comes, as we know from the book of Acts, the city can see redemption. The Savior was clean for the sinners. He was clean to God, that God, please forgive these people, for they do not know what they do. And we can see even when Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 3, and we've gone through that, Peter, after he healed, he and John, 
street and healed a man by the porch at the temple. And he was taken to the Sanhedrin's and Sadducees, as Virgil said, in Sad, you see. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. When they were taken to the Sadducees, and then he was preaching to them in verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, uh, let me go through um, 15 through 17. Acts 3, 15 through 17. I'm going back. And, and you people, uh, let's go from 14. But you deny the Holy One and the just, and ask for a murderer to be granted to you, and kill the Prince of Peace whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did this in ignorance, as did also your rulers. You did this in ignorance. And that is the same words of Jesus Christ that Peter is echoing here. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Peter said, all these things that you did against the Son of Man, you did this in ignorance. Please turn. And Jesus also had that heart, and that is the heart he has given to us. To go out and tell the people who are falling off the cliff, who are falling off that you might be living this life in ignorance. You don't have any idea what it is to come out of this. Please turn out away. Please turn your mind and come to Christ. And for Christ has already prayed for you as he prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. The Savior pleads for sinners. The Savior Christ convicts us and anybody who hasn't come to God, and that is he wants us to come to him with a mind which is not based on fear, but is based on understanding and acceptance of his message. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit, and that's why the book of John chapter 3, 16 says, the popular verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 17. For the Son of Man did not come to the world to condemn the world, but through him there might be salvation. He came not to condemn the world, but through him we will have conviction. Let's look at um, John 16, going through the words of Jesus Christ after he was preparing to go to the cross and he was talking to his disciples. John 16, verse uh, 15 to 11. But now, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, so now we're going back in time. We've talked about the Savior on the cross. We're going to talk about the time he had with his disciples before he went on the cross. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. He's talking about the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. We've been going through the books of Acts, and we've seen the Holy Spirit really come. Jesus here is talking about what is going to happen after his death. The Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, and he's talking to believers here. But we know when you read through chapter 16 through chapter 17, Jesus really says that this prayer I'm praying for you is not just for you, my disciples, who are sitting right in front of me right now, but for everyone who will come to this same faith. 
for you and I who have now come to this same faith. This is the prayer that Christ, and this is what he was saying to us. And when he was come, and when he has come, verse 8, he will convict, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in him. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He is saying the Holy Spirit work here as he works in us who are Christians. We know that we are not always right before God. But when we start going wrong, we, we have this like, uh, it's just like having a baby at home and when you're moving, the baby tacks on your dress or your trousers or your pants, as it's popular said in America. Not pantalons, trousers, but your pants. <laughs> your, the Holy Spirit works in us in that way. When we're going wrong, it's like, tack, tack, hey, what are you thinking? Tack, tack, hey, why, why do you want to do that? Tack, tack, stop this. He has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us. And he has also given the Holy Spirit working through our words that we say to the sinners or those who haven't yet believed in him to convict them so that they will turn to him. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit works in us, may we in boldness also share his words of truth of the gospel to others. And let's see the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts to convict them so that they will not be condemned, but they will receive the love of God that he gave his only begotten son to give to us. The sinner, the Savior, conveys sinners. And the Savior abides in the redeemed. When he has redeemed us, when he has called you to his presence, he abides in you. He, um, the, when you, uh, he, there's this, hope I'm, not, hope I'm not getting this wrong, when you look at the, if you're a fan of Disney and the Lion King, there's this song which became popular with it, He Lays in Me. That song, the living in you, that was, that's just um, by the way. But Jesus Christ, that's more than just that way of saying somebody lives in you. He saves you and he comes and lives within you. And just as Rebecca, you're making the announcement last uh, uh, when we, were, uh, we talk about, I sought the Lord and he heard, he answered. The Lord, we were singing the, the, the song, that's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. He is within us, and he's ready that when we seek him, when we seek him, he is going to hear us, and he will answer us. That is the kind of savior that we have. He convicted us when we are wrong. He prayed for us when we are wrong. And after coming to him, he said, all right, I'm going to sustain you. So to sustain you, I'm going to live in you. And that is what he says here. He, the savior abides in the redeemed. Verse um, John 16, 11 through, um, 11 through 15. Of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. That's why I'm saying the Holy Spirit will take of mine. He was trying to make the disciples understand that, yes, the Holy Spirit is going to take of God and give to you. But what he's taking of God is also mine. John 10, 
30. I and the Father are one. He's telling the disciples that what the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, myself and what the Father has is what he's giving it to you. That is what the Spirit of God is in us for. So that all these words that we hear day in and day out in church, on radio, which is about the gospel, the Holy Spirit is there to work it through us. To work it, it's like uh, when you're needing bread, you work it in. The Holy Spirit is needing us, working it in our minds so that it will be part of us so that we can flow in the Spirit. That's why he, is, he always encourages us and we'll see as Veggie goes through the book of Acts, the words of the Holy Spirit, how he encourages, he wants we, the disciples, that's people who have believed in him, to desire him, the Holy Spirit, to overflow in our hearts. For that is our sustaining power. If you don't have your batteries charged, I don't know the kind of phone you have, but after a month, I don't think that phone is going to last. No matter how we practice our Christian life, and we sometimes we can be very good at practicing how to do this. You just as we train ourselves to be strong, you can train your, yourself to, to abstain from something. But to abstain from all that is sinful, you need the Holy Spirit. Self-discipline is good, but self-discipline is not all in all by itself. The Bible encourages us to be self-disciplined as Christians, but we need the Spirit of God to sustain us. We need the Spirit of God to keep us going as he has called us to be. May we as Christians never, never neglect the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The Savior abides in the redeemed. The Savior assures the redeemed. Christ is giving us assurance when we come to him. He's giving us, um, he's, he's not saying that it's going to be uh, bread and butter as Christians, but just as we sang the song, Savior, you have overcome. You overcame. John sixteen thirty three. So he says to them, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You are going to have a lot of tribulations, a lot of troubles. As just this trouble which comes to every human being, being a Christian or not a Christian. That's why the Bible is. Uh, Peter said, uh, I think Paul said. All the troubles that everybody goes through, you also go through as human beings, as, as people of this world, but he prays for redemption. This trouble, that health issue, financial issue, every human being on this earth is going to go through. Be that being a Christian. But the Bible is saying, Christ is trying to say, through all this is going to sustain us. And above all, as a Christian, for your choice not to do certain things, for your choice to follow him, for choosing to live your life a certain way, you have to neglect some of the ways that people live or sustain themselves on this earth. And that is going to give you trouble. Because if you don't live just like everybody does, imagine being a fish and having the river coming down to the sea. You are trying to go upstream. You are going to current. That is not an easy swim. That is what we have chosen as Christians. The current of the world is going that way, and we have decided to go the other way. We need the strength of God, and he's encouraging us that we are going to have tribulations, but I have overcome.
overcome. So when the troubles come, when we are struggling with our Christian walk, when it seems that we have to give up, what is, why do I have to do it the Christ way? He's saying that you, you are going to have troubles, yes. I've already told you. Please, let the Holy Spirit in your heart be strong so that I will sustain you because I have already overcome. Let's see one thing he says, and Paul retraced that in um, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 57 through 58. Uh, I'll go to the 56 first. So 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through uh, 58. The thing of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Victory came through his death. And he's saying, as we labor as Christians, as we labor for righteousness, as we labor to love the way God has called us to love, as we labor to bring others to his fold, as we labor to make the lives of people around us better through the word of God, through the actions that we take, we should stand firm, be immovable, and we should abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not vain in the Lord. Our labor is not vain in the Lord. And to, as, I, as we go back and as going back on what we've learned and heard from the Bible, and also talking about what is going on in the book of Acts, this labor and not being able to stand to be immovable will take his Holy Spirit. And um, his Spirit is in us, and he encourages us that as we read his word, as we pray, let's desire more of his Spirit to move in us. Let's desire more of his hand to move in us. For he says, you have troubles that I have overcome. And to be able to have that mindset that my Savior has overcome, I'm going to, because he believes I can face tomorrow, it will take his Holy Spirit. And I believe and trust God that he is working in us. Even though we don't see it, he's working in us. And he's, he's calling us to have that mindset, the open heart. Today, if you hear his word, do not harden your heart. Open heart to say, Lord Jesus, come live with me. Come give me the strength. Help me abound in your ways. Help me abound in this labor of love this labor of righteousness, to be immovable. Glory be to his name. And uh, we bring this word to a close, and uh, as we're about to pray, may you think about what we've heard today. The Savior warns sinners, and he pleads for them, and he converts sinners, and he abides in the sinners who have been redeemed. And he assures the redeemed. That is who our Christ is. So he says he, he wants us to draw close to him, to have our minds set on him. If we don't know him, if we haven't turned to him, say, the life that you live is not worth it in the world. Turn to me and let me fill you up. And if you are in his presence, he's always, always he's telling you that you need my strength to keep on going this way. You cannot swim against current 
just by your own strength. You need somebody to go against current. If maybe you were swimming or you had a boat that you were sitting in, yes, it will be powered. It's probably you can make it a little bit easier. He wants his Holy Spirit to do that. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.